We have more ways that we can instantly talk to each other. We do not communicate. We don't. <laughs> we find ways not to communicate. We we yeah. we find ways to make sure that the other person doesn't understand what you're talking about. We find ways to miscommunicate. Instead instead of reaching out, we we pull back. I mean, it's just insane. I mean, we can, we have we it's and we have texting, immediate communication. What do people do? Either they ignore the text or they delete the text. Oh, I never got it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Interpersonal communication is such a vital, vital part to our existence. And, yeah, with the rise of technology, we're definitely not getting better at it. No. Actually, I think we're worse. There was an art... Oh, for sure. There was an art to letter writing. If you have... My parents... Hell, I was letter writing. Um, and oh, yeah, I, I used mean, to as well. Yeah, I mean, I still write once in a while, but actually I got out my stationery and I wrote to one of my really good friends in Europe, and she said, why did you write me this letter? Why didn't you just email? And I go, I just want to make sure I still know how to write a letter. <laughs> I'm just That's testing wonderful. my abilities. <laughs> Because she wasn't expecting yeah. it. She got the letter and she said, oh, Sheikha Sherry, what, um, what was this for? Because there was really nothing in it. It was just basically, hi, this is what's going on here. Which I probably had already told her half the stuff in emails. And But I just wanted to see if I could still write a letter. Because it's <laughs> been years. You know, I am still friends with my pen pal from... Oh gosh, uh, 24 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that's actually the person I was talking about. My my friend in Europe. Hello. Yeah. She, um, actually, the person I was talking about, the woman that was um, that I was writing that letter to, um, uh -huh. she was an exchange student when we met. We were teenagers. And so we've known each other for years, like 40 years. Um, nice. So we were, when she went back home to Europe, we were we were writing letters. I mean, I mean, we were writing letters even after email was invented. And and the thing was, though, it get, you know how life gets really crazy. It got mm -hmm. so crazy that um, we both just started just writing emails back and forth because it was faster. We were able to communicate faster. And, and it, it, it happens, you completely stop writing letters without even realizing you're doing it until it's like been two years and you're like, no, we haven't written a letter to each other. Oh. So, that's why, I, that's why I did that little test. Can I still write a letter? Do I still know how? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still talk to my, uh, my pen pal from I think it was 24 years ago and uh, I mean now you know it's not actually we talk on on uh, Facebook and whatnot but uh, yeah I, I, I really enjoyed letter writing it was like kind of always a surprise getting a 
a letter in the mail and kind of like Christmas and um, it's a lost uh, a lost a lost uh, a lost entertainment having a pen pal I think yeah I mean I guess you could do it with email but it's just not the same no no yeah, because you got you, you got foreign stamps too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I had I had a pen pal in England, in Germany, in Italy, in um, South Africa. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, and I had several in the U.S. too, and but the fun was. <laughs> You get it. Oh, cool. I got two more South African stamps that I didn't have because I collected stamps, too. Uh, oh, okay. That was, I, 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 collect, I started collecting them before, but I, mm-hmm. it just was cool because I could get real stamps. Not Well, they were real stamps I was collecting. But you know how you when you start stamp collecting, you can just purchase a bunch of stamps from other countries? Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, it's not the same as getting a letter. With oh, a stamp no. and cutting it off the envelope and putting it into the correct place in your stamp book. <laughs> yep. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I mean, that's that's part of the fun. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The only thing is, is that if I never did that with postcards, because if you, it, you there's no way to get the stamp off without hurting it. And if you cut the postcard, you cut the picture. And I I, I couldn't oh, cut the picture, yeah. you know? Because that's one of the cool things, too, about having pen pals in other countries, is you got these really great pictures. And then when they went on vacation, they would go to other countries. So you would have stuff from pictures or uh, stamps from countries that they're on vacation from that neither of you are from that are kind of cool, too. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> yeah. I know. Is there any uh, equivalent to that in uh, in this day and age? Not really. It's so electronic. It's just like I have ebooks because it's convenient, and because sometimes ebooks are less expensive. But I prefer a real book. You know, one and you can own your ebooks. You know, I mean, whatever company you're using, they own it. Even though you paid for the privilege of having those books, they're not your books. And But when you buy a book, an actual paperback or hardback, they're yours forever. You can hand it down to your whoever your inher- people that are going to inherit are your children or your grandchildren or cousins or brother or whatever. You can't oh, do sure. that with an ebook. <laughs> you can't say here. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I have this incredibly big. I have like nine hundred books on my on my Kindle. I, I, if I die, what am I going to say? Here, have my uh, um in my will. Yeah, you can have my Kindle. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's just not the same. <laughs> not the same. No. And they're not. You know, a book can be very valuable because of rarity or oh, uh, yeah. or they're autographed or, um, you know, there's a lot of different reasons. Or 
um, because the author was controversial. There's a lot of reasons a book can be worth money. An ebook is an ebook. It devalues because once you buy the ebook, it doesn't mean anything. You know, it's just it's there for you. Yeah. It it it's not it. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it just even Absolutely. when you even when you buy an audio book, uh, I don't mean the like uh, Audible or something, but you buy the actual audio book. That belongs to you, but Audible doesn't belong to you. Audible belongs to the Audible company. If I stop paying for my Audible, com you know, my Audible subscription. I'd lose all the stuff I had on there. You see what I'm saying? I, that's my problem with the digital yeah. age. Yeah, no, I, I worry about that for, especially for some, some of the, I, so I used to have a massive, massive DVD collection. When I was a child and DVDs came about, I was like, oh my gosh, when I get a job, when I get money, I just want to have a massive DVD collection. And so that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Well, then, you know, they start getting scratched and broken, and then I had a child, and the child likes to use them for Frisbees, <laughs> stuff like that, and, and, you know, streaming comes along, and now we're, you know, doing digital downloads. Well, what happens if that company ever goes bye-bye, gets bought by another company, and they, you know, purge or whatever, like those digital things that you bought, you don't own them, you own essentially a license to them on on the on the software. It's that the, worries me. That's the same thing. It's just like I was talking yeah. about with the books. It's not yours. I, yeah. That's why I, I, I mean, I, I have streaming services, just I'm not using them at the moment in protest. Mm -hmm. But I have streaming services that I use and I'm a normal person, but I still buy DVDs. I still have a massive collection of DVDs. Um, right now on BookTube, it's Jane Austen July, and I got ah. I, I pulled out all of my Jane Austen uh, DVDs, and I've been watching them at night. <laughs> That's awesome. But I mean, it's my control what I watch and what I don't watch. That way, I don't have to worry that whatever um, service it is, is good. you know, doesn't it annoy you when you really are enjoying a series and then it has a notice, this uh, show is going to be taken off in six days. You're like, yeah, what? Yeah, no, that annoys the crap out of me. <laughs> I mean, it's... Paramount. Go ahead. I'm, I, just go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to go oh, on no, about how annoying it is. There's a time where Paramount, all right, so Paramount, um, when Paramount Plus came online, they started removing all their stuff off of uh, Netflix, you know, slowly but surely. That's fine, you know, that's great. But then all of a sudden there's times when, uh, I'm sorry, uh, referring to their Star Trek, their Star Trek uh, library, mm -hmm. they started removing it off of uh, Netflix, and that's great, but then all of a sudden the Star Trek libraries uh, will like disappear for a time from Paramount Plus because they're getting like licensed out to like HBO or something like that, like somewhere else. I'm like, hey, man, this, this is the only reason why I have Paramount Plus is to like watch the Star Trek stuff. Why is it why is it not here temporarily? I don't like that. 
I don't like it either. I don't like it with a lot of things. Um, you know, um, I not only love science fiction, I love mysteries. And, um, I During the pandemic, one of the things I did was discover some shows I'd never watched. And so I was enjoying watching these shows. And then all of a sudden, poof, they're gone. They're not on the the, net, the, the streaming network. They just took them off. They, they don't even warn you, some of them. They just, poof, take them off. They, yeah. The best that you could do is maybe a few days later, uh, soon be leaving. It'll be on the list of soon be leaving, maybe, if you're lucky. But in other times, it's just like, poof, they're gone. And it's oh so annoying. I mean, I... Uh, because I don't have those DVDs yet. I'm going to get those DVDs. When I can afford it, I am going to get those DVDs. Because it just... I really like these two series. One of them is Foils War. And the other one is uh, Inspector Allen. I had never heard of them before the pandemic. And I really got into them. But they keep disappearing. <laughs> You sometimes you only get through them once, the series once, and then it's gone. Yeah, yeah. So I am yeah. definitely going to get the DVDs as soon as I can, because once you have the DVD, you know, it, yeah, I I know the, but I I just keep my DVDs in their little boxes and I don't leave uh -huh. the disc out. Because if I did that, Pi would, my cat would take it and think, oh, this is a nice toy, or I'm going to spit on it. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't do that. It's, it's just like, um, I'm old-fashioned when I write. I write in a notebook. If I leave okay. the yeah. notebook sitting on my bed to get a drink of water or use the bathroom or something. I come back and I'll find her sitting on the notebook looking at me, look at this, look what I'm on. <laughs> she does it with my laptop. I always close the laptop knowing her. But she does that with my laptop too. I'll come back and there she is sitting on my laptop. She, she's she been doing, she does that with my brothers too. She'll, she'll just go and sit on it. Like, I don't, and somebody said it was the warmth, but it could be not been used for, my brother doesn't use it like uh, half as much as I do. So his are cold, when he first takes his computer and puts it on his bed to watch it when he comes home from work, his is cold. There's no warmth. But she loves to sit on it too. So I don't think it has anything to do with warmth. Yeah. I just think she likes big square objects that she can sit on. Absolutely. That's, that is the way. But, but yeah, I like how, I like being able to, I like stuff that doesn't disappear. That's, that's my problem with digital, all the digital. And actually, listen to Martin Scorsese talking, it's a real problem for masters of the film because a lot of people now use only digital film for making movies. Mm -hmm. And what if something happens? 
we have if it's the old film stock, we have the film. You know, something may go wrong, but 99% of the time they can fix stuff in film. Yeah. But if something goes wrong yeah. with digital, the original master of the, I mean, yeah, it, people have the digital copies, uh, but the original master of the film, if something goes wrong with that, that means there's nowhere to go. If if they if they need to do a re-release, they would have to remaster one of the copies in order to do it. Of and I'm talking Academy Award-winning films, big stuff. And that he he was talking about, it, and I was like, yeah, that's definitely a problem. Um, him and Spielberg both are like. Uh, even though they love technology and they both do digital, they that part worries them. What's going to happen to the libraries of film if something goes wrong and somehow digital somehow gets messed up and there's no physical copy? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a <laughs> it's it's a problem because um, you're your uh, magnetic storage, um, even solid-state drives, uh, will fail over time. It's it's the it's made. I mean, when your technology is made out of of uh, metal, it's going to degrade over time. Um, you know, I know I know film is not perfect as well, but uh, when we've been able to take, you know, films made in the 30s. And you know, take that original film and, and remaster it both in in audio and visual. Um, you're not going to be able to do that with 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 digital film unless they come up with a a very industry changing way to preserve digital media. And I can tell you, it's not available commercially because um, digital memory will fails like uh, like it's nobody's business. I mean that that's testimonial to what goes on all the time. How many times yeah. ha, have there been just uh, our electricity is handled in most places by fiber optics? How many times has that failed? A lot, you know. Uh, and, and that's a big, huge grid with super intelligent people handling it, and all these scientists and stuff like that. You know, if we can't handle our grid, how the heck are we going to handle digital? Yeah. Yeah, or God forbid we have that uh, that space event or a, a uh, you know, kinetic attack that causes, you know, an EMP, and all of a sudden, I mean, all of our stuff is wiped out. I guess if that happens, then our, probably our our, uh, our hard drives are probably going to be the last thing we're worried about. But, uh, yeah. but still, when the dust settles, you want your, you want your, you want your culture is going to need your, your movies again. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, is that we're so blasé about our planet. <clears throat> you, you think about it. We are lucky. Our planet has a really protective core 
um, that protects us from the, the, all the debris from the sun. Just think of how many astronauts have had physical problems because they're in the space station and they got hit from what they call a solar wave. And a tiny, tiny, tiny little piece of that can hit an astronaut in the leg or in the arm or in the eye and the, and hurt the cells that they have. That's because the core of the planet is not protecting them out in space. Uh, you, yeah. see, you see what I'm saying? We're so blasé about this, and yet we are a tiny planet at the edge of a small galaxy uh, in a huge universe with thousands of galaxies, and we seem to think that there's no chance at all that anything would happen to us. You know how many times uh, big, huge comets have come close? I mean, the last time a really big comet hit this planet, the dinosaurs died. And the whole planet yeah, right. restructured. You know, it's 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 a possibility. It's 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 more than a possibility. It's a probability. Um, and people are so blasé about it. Oh no, it could never happen. What the hell do you think it it, it can never happen? It's happened. <laughs> and, yep, and it will again. <laughs> yeah. I mean that I forgot what they called that big huge comet that comet that went by that was they it was a Hawaiian name I forgot what the name of it was but it was huge and it was it was shaped they thought it was for a while they thought it was a spaceship because the way it's shaped it's shaped like one of the spaceships from like Star Wars or oh, something yeah I know which one you're talking about yeah yeah do you know how close that thing came to hitting us uh, st the statistical probability of uh, of it hitting us was, you know, still very slim, but it was. Uh, it was damn close. It was like it, there had no been no closer object in the history of of tracking things. Yeah, since we've been tracking, but but the thing yeah. is, is that we do not have technology to protect us or something like that. We don't. They're still yeah. trying to figure out what to do. I mean, they they they, they say, oh, well, they're going to hit it with lasers or they're going to try to gently push it in a different direction when it comes, meet it somewhere out away from our planet and push it towards someplace, you know, outside of our galaxy and not our galaxy, our solar system. Um, but uh, we still haven't figured out how. <laughs> you know? Uh, and that's yeah. why these people that are so thinking that we're the top of the mark and we're supreme and all this other stuff is ridiculous because we're like a piece of sand. <laughs> that's how tiny this planet is. <laughs> Yeah, and that's what bothers me more than anything. You know, it's it's part of the technology thing. You know, uh, oh, don't worry, we we're very smart. We figured all this other stuff out. We'll figure out how to take care of the digital. 
it's the same argument that they use with the comet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it's not necessarily yeah, so to quote a famous song. <laughs> Uh, that we're going to figure yeah. it out. And th yeah, that's my pessimistic side. Um, <laughs> science are, scientists are brilliant. Scientists have done remarkable things. Uh, archaeologically, astronomically, we know more about, and, and, and oceanographers, we know more about different parts of the surroundings of our planet and and the our uh, solar system and the uh, galaxy than we've ever known. I mean, they have figured out that the center of our galaxy is a black hole. Who would ever have thought yeah. that? Uh, yeah. And they and we've seen it. We've actually seen it. We've seen the black hole in the center of our galaxy. Yep. Isn't that remarkable? Uh, they, it's, uh, it's the what they, my mind. It, it's what they've done. They have found things like uh, the cache of pharaohs in Egypt. They've found uh, the Bogsman in England. The, the, the science, I'm not saying scientists aren't great. They are. I'm just saying, do we have enough time for them to figure out the stuff about the digital problem or the comet problem or the other problems that that we need science to help protect us? You know what I'm saying? Do we have enough time Absolutely. to do it? That's yeah. the problem. Because this may be generational. This may not be until our, our our third or fourth generation away from us may not be able to figure it out. And if that happens within that time period, what happens if something happens to all these technologies and our planet within that period before we can figure out how to protect ourselves? Oh, yeah. That's what I think about. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sounds like a good plot. It's so fun. I know. It does sound like a really good plot for a science fiction book, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. But, but it is, it, the thing is, it's the honest truth. Yeah. Um, and it's just... The, what I'm saying is, is how blasé people are. Oh, don't worry. It'll, it'll, it'll get figured out. How do you know? Yeah. That's the old uh, frog in a boiling pot of water situation there. Like, oh, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then you're cooking. You're, you're fricassee. Yep. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I, I just think, it's, especially when it comes to something to me my books are precious and I like I I will buy a book after I read it as an ebook because I want the book 
there's such a difference between holding a book in your hand and reading oh, it yeah. in an e-reader or on your laptop or on your phone. It it's just night and day. There's there's something comforting in a book that you can't get from a piece of equipment. You can't really cut up cuddle up with your laptop or your e-reader, but you can cuddle <laughs> up with a book. No, you cannot. Nope. You know, that cold piece of equipment really doesn't give you the warmth of a book. <laughs> yeah. No, totally agree on that. I've I've not made uh the switch over to, to the E format. I still I still do all all paper and makes my my uh laptop backpack very heavy because I carry with me what I'm reading. But uh I just, uh, yeah, I just can't bring myself to do it. My schedule for this show is on paper. You nice. know, You know why? Because why when not? I first started, I tried to do it on the e-calendar. You know what my problem is with those things, even with the pop-ups? I ignore it. Mm. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I mean, how many pop-ups do you get in a day? I mean, it's billions of things. A lot, like, yeah. Boom, 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 boom. If I even, you know, it, it just I, I, I almost automatically click it off because I'm doing something and I don't want to be annoyed. And I just, you know, this is not working. So I'm, I'm going to go back to having, I have like, um, I have a notebook, not a notebook, um, what do you call it? It's like a the the piece of wood and the clip a clipboard. I have a clipboard oh, yeah. and uh and a notepad, actually about three notepads, with the schedule for the next six months for the show. Nice. So so and I and my books are notebooks, my short stories are in and other notebooks. I I keep my financials in notebooks. I know it's old-fashioned, but it just uh, makes me feel safer. Yeah. No, do what feels good. I mean... Life's too short to do otherwise. Do you write longhand? I mean, do you write... You, you said you write longhand and then put it in the computer, because that's how I work. Um, no, no, I, uh... I go straight into, uh, Google Docs now, because... Uh, I I have a lot of trouble going over things a second time. So, and writing, I can't write. I I gave up writing uh, physically into notebooks. Um, oh gosh, a long time ago, because so I, I could not write fast enough for what my brain was trying to do, and my handwriting is terrible to begin with. So if I was like speeding through a scene, trying to get something down, it gets to the point where I couldn't even read my own handwriting. So now I put everything uh, digital, um, you know, first time down, and then uh, yeah. Do you find that like inconvenient sometimes? Um, yeah, every once in a while because I like to. I like to uh, sketch or take, I still sketch or take notes or doodle or do uh, brain maps 
um, in, in my notebook. So I still carry that around, but then, um, you know, then I don't have that in the digital format along with everything else. So I've got two different formats going around. Um, and then uh, I haven't found a e-paper or e-notebook um, that I'm quite comfortable to drop tons of money on yet. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of a mess. But, uh, <laughs> I don't uh, know. I, just, I, I, I like having files. I have them in their folders. I have a, I have a file system. I mean, when you write a book, it's really big. I mean, with, especially if you're using notebooks. So, like, my first edition of it before I put it into the computer is usually huge, you know. Like, uh -huh. so, once I, when I, once I get it into the computer, that leaves my room and goes into my file cabinet um, with all my notes and stuff. Because I I also put my notes on the side as you know, cause you, when you, I love Word I love being able to use it I love all the stuff you have with it I just can't be creative with it <laughs> <laughs> I love that you can put like your notes in with little tabs and you can do searches for what you the paragraph. Or you can make the thing talk to you and t and read you uh, the the uh, what you're doing, and you can pick up all the mistakes you made. I mean, there's so much with Word now that's so cool that I adore. But when I'm actually r being creative and creating, whether it's world creating or plot creating or character creating, I can't do it in the computer. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. So, that's just me. That. I'm an old-fashioned lady. Oh, good. <laughs> hey, do what feels good. Because, yeah, that's that's uh, that's optimization. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm going to transition a little bit. You have some exciting news about your story from um, Writers of the Future. Yeah, yeah, so that one, um, so yeah, that, that story um, won the Golden Pen Award for the uh, 938, and then um, I thought that was going to be the end of it. Well, no, then in 2023, Volume 38 has uh, won the Benjamin Franklin gold medal from the Independent Book Publishers Association, and then it went and got the gold medal in the science fiction category from the Independent Publisher Book Awards. So, uh, I mean, if, if you've read Volume 38, you know how amazing it is that uh, my, my, my fellow writers uh, just created amazing, amazing stories. It was by far um, in my top five favorite uh, anthologies of all time, um, and not even because I was in it. It's because the the stories were amazing. So it's been really neat to see uh, Writers of the Future Volume 38 get get uh, you know even even more recognition around around the community. So I'm very very proud of uh, 
of uh, Galaxy Press and and uh, and all all my fellow writers that that made that happen. Okay, I have a question because I've won awards, but as an individual, I've never won it as part of an anthology. Do you, does each person get a certificate or something? What what happens if you get a big award for the anthology and all these writers contribute? How do uh, how are you guys acknowledged with like the Benjamin Franklin yeah. Award? Uh, yeah. So for I'm not sure how uh, how all of them work, um, but for for these. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's we got an email from uh, John Goodwin, um, who's the uh, executive from um, uh, Galaxy Press, and and uh, you know he, he said, hey, make make sure you guys add this to your to you know to your resume. You guys you guys earn this, and uh, we're like, wow, that's that's really cool. So basically, um, you know, one of them, uh, one of the companies, they uh, they have. Uh, like physical medals. Um, that's kind of cool that you can you can uh, you know wear. Um, another one has uh, like trophies and certificates and stuff. Um, so for those, because those are such massive programs, um, those uh, basically you, you purchase uh, which which ones you want. Um, you just email the company and say, hey, I you know I was uh, uh, I'm so and so from from this anthology that you know won this category. Uh, could I get uh, you know this, this, and that? So yeah, kind of unusual. I, I didn't uh, I didn't know that um, that was a uh, that was a thing. But yeah, anthologies can win uh, can win awards just like uh, just like um, just like uh, regular books. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, I, I I just was really curious because I've done a couple of anthologies, never won a big award, but I've done them, and I just I was curious. I mean, so you guys like you get? Did you get the medal or did you get the certificate? What did you get? Uh, so for the one, um, I think it was for the Benjamin Franklin. I went I went ahead and got the uh, I got the gold medal. Um, so there's there might be some pictures of uh, me and uh, some of my fellow writers uh, with uh, showing off our wearing our, our gold medals like it's uh, the Olympics. It almost looks like <laughs> it looks like something from like like high school or, or something. But it's it's really cool. Like it's it's a uh, it's like a legit uh, it's a heavy piece of metal. Definitely better than anything I ever gotten in high school. So but it's like. Yeah, it just makes you feel proud in like a in like a really uh, funny way. Um, so does it have a picture of Benjamin I, Franklin on it? On the medal. Um, that I've got it. I've got it packed away because I'm going to um, going to the Tampa Bay Comic Con next week as a panelist. So I've got I've got that packed away. I do believe it has a picture of Benjamin Franklin on it, um, and then the uh, Independent Book Publishers Association uh, branding. Yeah. Well, that's cool. You have a medal of my favorite founding father. Yeah. <laughs> he was always my favorite of all the founding fathers. I just thought he was so cool. <laughs> yeah. 
definitely a uh, definitely a legend of our uh, of our uh, American culture. Yeah, but that's cool, especially if it has a picture of Benjamin Franklin. On it. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. And the other one, did you get a certificate or something? Yeah, that one I went. Uh, yep, got a certificate for. So I'm gonna um, you know, have that framed and and uh, and hung up. Um, yeah, it's 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 really bizarre and and, and neat for uh, that was um, that was for my first published short story. So to to see that that book. Get so much recognition. It's kind of surreal, and uh, and I'm still so new in my writing career. But this 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 year has just absolutely exploded. Um, I've been very fortunate to to make a lot of sales to some awesome anthologies and, and magazines, and and uh, um, most everything I think has come out. Um, thus far, I think the one thing that hasn't come out just yet is uh, I I sold a story to the the British Science Fiction Association, and that anthology I think is I think we just approved the proofs the other day, so that's uh, Fission Three, um, and then I've got a novelette that's uh, coming out on August 11th. I do believe that is available for uh, pre-order right now on Amazon. Um, yeah, it's just been a it's been a great year. Sounds like it. I have a question for you. What's the difference between a novella and a novelette? Oh yeah, uh, just a matter of a word count as defined by the uh, I go by the Science Fiction Writers Association's uh, word count definitions. Um, so which has more words, the novella or the novelette? I always get them mixed up, and I always have to look it up. Okay, because to me, the, it's the same. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm an old lady. A novella and a novelette, to me, are the same. <laughs> All right, so for the Science Fiction Writers Association, um, the the definition is a short story. Well, we'll start at a, start at a short story, because... I think we all know like uh, micros and and uh, um, and those are at, but short story is up to 7,500 words. A novelette is up to 17,500 words, and then a novella is more than 17,500 and um, up to 40,000. So at this point, they're defining a full novel as 40,000 words. Or more, which uh, you know is different than 15, 20 years ago. I mm-hmm. think maybe 20 years ago it was uh, they were saying, you know, 70,000, 80,000 was the minimum. But um, anymore, the the markets are seeing that readers like um, shorter novels. In you know often you know we've seen often that series series uh, grow fan bases a lot. So. Anyway, sorry, that's a little bit of a ramble. But yeah, the difference between a novelette is, uh, and a novella is a novelette is 17,500 words. Novella is up to 40,000 words. 
So basically some of the biggest classics of all time are novellas, according to that. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, it, uh, like it, The Time Machine, The Great Gatsby. They're both really short. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, you know, this is all products of, uh, of the time and the culture. Um, you know, during that time, um, you know, Time Machine, when that came out, that was, what, 35,000 words. Um, and then uh, Great Gatsby. Let's see, what was Great Gatsby? Great Gatsby was uh, about forty-seven thousand words. So, you know, there's products of their time where that was that was, um, you know, what sold. And now in the digital age, uh, it's there's so much versatility in the digital age for for publishing. Um, you, know, you have travels that are stories of exactly a hundred words. Uh, you have flash fiction. Um, yeah, living in the digital age, uh, you can you could publish just about anything. It's just very interesting. I don't know. I just I I, I find it fascinating. Really, it's so funny because um, it's uh, some people. They look for books that are short. <laughs> uh-huh. like, I remember when I was in school and I I had a really cool, one of my, not all of my English, some of my English teachers weren't cool, but I had a really good, one really cool English teacher who, instead of forcing us to read something, she gave us a list to bring home to choose the okay. book that we were going to do. But I just, um, and she would put, like, you know, uh, the how many uh, chapters? How, how how many pages? That's what. How many pages were in each book? And oh. I never paid attention to that. I just wanted to read certain books, and I would pick out the books I wanted, and then show it to my parents, and then we would talk together, and I choose my book after we we had a discussion. Um, but it wasn't based on how many pages. But I can't tell you how many people in my class got the shortest possible page counts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it maybe fifty percent, I would say, would go for the shortest oh, possible sure. page count. I was like, I just want to read the story I want to read. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's that was my problem in. Um, in elementary school is that uh, once I learned how to read, I just started going nuts. And I I remember being in second grade and trying to check out this uh, fantasy novel, and it didn't look it didn't look to be like huge. It was maybe like 200 pages or so. And the librarian said, "Oh, I think this is too big for you." And I just remember being just so offended, like, "No, this is this is what I want to read. Why can't I?" Why can't I rent this? It's so funny because, I mean, I I I don't think I actually had that because uh, my parents used to used to say just pick out what you want. They didn't unless it was something 
because I was very, my brother would be able to pick out whatever he wanted, but I was a very sensitive little girl, and my parents would be mostly worried if it, if it, like an animal died or something like that. Uh-huh. And so uh, when I, we'd bring the books to our parents, and my dad would and mom would go through the books, and they'd say, hmm, I'm not sure you'd like this one. And I said, oh, but I, and I heard about it, and it, look at the cover, and... <laughs> And it has a really cool idea, and and my my mom would say something like, "Honey, you know, like I I think one of them was um like the original story that Bambi was based on." And oh, okay. She, and she said, "Do you remember in Bambi how much you cried when the mother died in the fire?" And I said, "Yeah." And she goes, "Well, it happens eat." right in front of you in the book and it's written out for you and I, your daddy and I don't think you'd like it you, you can read it later on when you're older but you're, I think it was about six um, and it was in the children's section um, but it, she, she, they were just worried because I was very sensitive especially if it's an animal dying um, you know so and that's the thing. Um, that's what they based it on. They didn't base it on concept or or any uh, nothing. It was all based on my sensitivities, not based on what the book's about. You know what I mean? That they didn't censor uh-huh. us that way. I, I and so that's why I, I grew up to be such a voracious reader. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I just that was uh, and you, I mean I remember when books were assigned. I still remember the ones I hated. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, the one I hated the worst. Sorry if you're a fan, anybody, but was Red Badge of Courage. I just it was. Oh. It's a it's a classic. Um. It's a very true book about a young farm boy's reaction to the Civil War and and stuff. But I I I'm not a war person. I don't like books about war. And that book made me absolutely despise books from the soldier's point of view, which is rather sad considering how important the soldier's point of view is when you're reading about some kind of a war. But I still, when I start reading it, if it's from the soldier's point of view, I just, that's why I couldn't read Saving Private Ryan. I just couldn't. It just, you know what I'm saying? That's the, that's, oh, yeah. That's the effect of reading a book that's forced on you. At least it was yeah. for me. Did, did you yeah, ever have nope. that kind of effect? Um, I don't recall despising anything that I was assigned in high school. I think I really enjoyed everything that I read in high school. I feel like in college um, I had a very low patience for academics 
Um, so if something didn't catch my attention, I don't, I'm pretty sure I did not read most of the actual assigned reading. I just cliff noted it and Wikipedia'd it. Um, so I couldn't even tell you what I didn't like because I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I, I, Capture in the Rye was one of the books I was assigned in college and I didn't like that book. Oh, okay. I, I'm not sure how I would react. I mean, you change your mind about books. Uh, you know, or or sometimes you like the book, but you, you don't love the book, and then when you're older, you have a different viewpoint, and instead of just liking the book, you love the book, or you read it, and when you, the it's a book you liked, and then you read it as an adult, and you hate it now. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's just, when no. you, as you age, your opinion changes. I don't know if you've come into Absolutely. that phenomena. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, unfortunately I'm um, starting to enter that era. I tried to fight it as long as I could, but you know my my little boy is uh, in elementary school now, and um, and my body is starting to give out, and uh, so there's plenty of reminders that I am um, not in my 20s, and I'm on the wrong side of my 30s, and, and my mind. Uh, is uh, evolving uh, accordingly. It's it's uh, yeah, it's different. Um, not bad, but different. I know, I know. Okay, now another awkward transition. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have anything new that's coming out that you want people to know about? Let's see. I think the next hot thing is going to be um, the novelette Paranorm. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed uh, writing this one. I felt like it was a fun ride. and I tried to publish it um, on the short story markets, but uh, there was just not a lot of places that were open to that long of a word count. So I went ahead and uh, and just you know published it as a novelette. And uh, That'll be available on Amazon, uh, Kindle, um, and paperback. They are available for pre-order now on Amazon, and it'll come out on August 11th. Cool. Um, that's uh, I think that's the next one, and I'm really excited for that one. And when um, when do you have do you have any others and anything else that you're you're working on? Let's see. So we are wrapping up um, some drafts for the, uh, I have a story that's going to be in the Unhelpful Encyclopedia Volume 2, which will come out in 2024. Um, that's uh, wrapping that one up. And then I'm working on, um, I don't know, I'm in a weird place right now where I'm, I'm you know, I'm working on those longer novels and I think I need to write. I think I need to write some short stuff. Okay. Get that instant gratification <laughs> and write some, write some new short stuff to, to put out there. So that's for you. I'm just writing left and right, and it's just fun. That's good. Um, and do you have any events that you're going to be going to in the future that you want people to know about? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll be at the Tampa Bay Comic Con. Uh, 
which is next weekend um, as a guest and panelist. Um, yeah, their schedule is up uh, on the web and on their app to see what, where I'll be and when and whatnot. Um, I'm super excited. I'm going to bring, I got uh, an advanced order of Paranorm paperbacks, so I'm going to bring those down there just for Tampa Bay Comic Con guests. Um, a little exclusive uh, pre, pre-order there for them. And uh, it's just going to be a great time. I, I love conventions. I love um, events. And this one, I actually get to, uh, you know, panel at and then do a, a book signing. So uh, that, that's that's just always a good time. Cool. Um, and uh, do you have any online events that are coming up? Hmm. Is that a trick question? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I don't think so. You don't have to. Uh, I'm just asking. <laughs> it's not an assignment. <laughs> but I feel like maybe I do, and then I can't remember. Ah. But I'm going to say no. No online events uh, in the near future. No. Okay. Um, and we're coming to the end, obviously. Could you give... Uh, if you have a website, could you give the website address and any social media you have with the handles? Absolutely. Um, so the website is desmondstare.com. And then you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at desmondstare. Okay. And uh, is Instagram the only one? You're not on Facebook or... Uh, Instagram and Twitter. Twitter. And what are you, uh, is the handle on Twitter the same as Instagram? Yes. Yep, they're both at Desmond Astaire. Okay. All right. I want to thank you, uh, Desmond, for taking time out of your day to chat with me. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. It was really fun chatting with you again. Thank you. And thank you for chatting with Sherry. <laughs> When you look around your home, what makes you smile? Personal touches, beautiful light, lines, colors, things of quality that enhance your life. California Closets specializes in making space for what belongs with richly textured finishes and quality materials that last. From the bedroom to the pantry to the mudroom, everything we do is custom designed, built, and installed by people who take pride in serving you. Think of it as practical magic. Book your free design consultation today at CaliforniaClosets.com. That Money Smith here reminded you, don't let family, friends, or business associates come into town make you miss the big game. Treat them to an unforgettable Chargers game day experience at SoFi Stadium with a single game suite rental. Visit ChargersSuites.com to learn more about the suite experiences.